Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, welcome to the year of stability. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We know that that's not, that's not just a, a catchy theme or, or a slogan for the year, but it's a prophetic declaration of what God wants to do for us this year. And we confess it. We say it as a confession, believing that that's what's going to manifest for us. This is the year of stability. So we started this year teaching from that series theme. So today's the last message in the theme. This is the year of stability. And, uh, you know, so we started off just picturing yourself, imagine yourself, get a vision of yourself standing strong at the end of the year. At the end of the year, you'll be able to face every challenge, face every storm and say that you weren't strong enough. You weren't strong enough because here I am in the end standing strong. Amen. 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 And then we went on talking about how, you know, just like God, we want to operate like God. We're his children. And one attribute of people of faith is that we see and declare the end from the beginning. I don't have to wait till I get there. I can declare what it is right now. So I talk about my victory right now. I talk about my breakthrough right now. I talk about his glory manifested in my life right now, right now. I see the end from the beginning, and I even spend some time seeing in 3D. Daily, I delight in the details of my victory. I delight in it. I imagine myself strong. I imagine myself secure. I imagine myself stable. I imagine myself at peace. I imagine myself prospering. No matter what my circumstances or situations look like, I see the victory that he promised me. Amen. Amen. And then we talked about dating the dream and marrying the process. In the process, we know that there's people, there's problems, but there's power. And you won't know the value of any of those three until you engage, until you embrace the process. You know, I don't want to be a person who's just dreaming. I want to be a person who lives in the dream I'm dreaming. I want to see my dream manifested. So then I have to value the process that's going to get me to that final outcome. I have to value the process. I have to value the everyday steps, everyday routine that I have to engage in that's going to take me to that end that I see, right? The, the process then even in some ways, the process becomes even more valuable than the dream itself. Because if it weren't for the process, I'd just be dreaming. And I'm not just trying to dream. I want to live it. I want to walk in it. So I embrace the process. Amen? Amen. Today, today's message title is, Will You Be the Hero? Will You Be the Hero? And the purpose of this message is to get you, the believer, to start seeing yourself as the hero. It's time for you to see yourself as the hero. You know, in our, in our culture, in our, in our society, and for many generations, we valued heroes. We've looked to heroes and we celebrate heroes. I mean, you can go back to ancient Rome and the celebration of the gladiator. 
and everybody was celebrating heroes. And, and even um, throughout history, we've had political heroes. We've had um, heroes of social, social justice. You know, we, we just celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King, who was a hero of social justice and social reform. And we celebrate the Mahatma Gandhis and the Cesar Chavez's and the uh, Mother Teresa's of, of society, those people who make, who sacrifice to get things changed for the benefit of other people. We celebrate those people, and we have fictional heroes that we celebrate, right? You got fictional heroes, you know, a hero in make-believe. Do you know, this, this is kind of, this kind of trips me out, and uh, where's Bruce? You know, Bruce is from Philadelphia, so this might hit him a little sensitive, in a sensitive area, but, but do you know, it is so, it's interesting to me that, I mean, people... You know, the fictitious, ficti this is a make-believe person. You know, Rocky Balboa is not real, not a real person. <laughs> but people celebrate him like he's a real person. I mean, there's a real statue. There's a, I mean, there's there, people from Philly, I mean, it's like you would think this person was real. He's a fictional hero. But we look for heroes, and we always look to heroes. And, and you know, in that... We always distance ourselves from the hero. We're waiting on the hero to arrive, and we wait for the hero to come and cause change. We wait for heroes to respond to the things that conflict and comfort. Uh, um, the, the, um, we wait for the hero to respond to the things that um, conflict us and challenge us. But what I want you to know, and then, you know, so do we need a hero? Yes, we do need a hero. Do we need a savior? Yes, we do need a savior. Is Jesus that savior? Yes. Is Jesus our hero? Yes. Thank God for Jesus. What I want you to know today is that, yes, Jesus is our hero, but Jesus sees you as a hero. You got to come to the point where you see yourself as a hero. Do you understand that? Yes, we're in need of heroes. We need a hero. We need a savior. But you got to understand that the full message, the full message that our hero brought, the full message that Jesus brought was so you can see yourself as a hero. Mm -hmm. That's what it's time for. Amen. You see yourself as the hero. So in order to help us see ourselves as a hero this year, we're going to clear, clear some things up. Amen. Amen. You can see yourself as the hero after you understand that Jesus came to empower you. Jesus came to empower you so that you can empower others. You see yourself as the hero after you understand that Jesus came to empower you so you can empower others. Last week we read from um, James chapter 2 verse 15 and the idea that we got from that um, scripture was that, you know, if, a, if your brother comes to you in need of clothing, in need of food, in need of food, and all you do is pray for them, then you haven't fully completed your responsibility. But what the message was is that, you know, the right thing to do is to meet that person's need. But you got to understand that you are empowered to do so. You're empowered to meet needs. You're empowered to be a refuge. You're, you're empowered. You're empowered. If, yes, God is the source, but you're empowered to be a resource. Amen. Do you understand that? God's the source. I'm the resource so that the people around me, 
the people that are in my process, the people around me can receive their supply because God is a source, but I'm a resource and the people around me can receive a supply. Amen. Right. This is the year that, you know, in time past, we've always looked away from ourselves for help. We've looked away from ourselves for deliverance. We look away from ourselves to, for refuge. But this is the year that I am refuge for somebody. I will be stable for somebody. Even though I'm in the boat and there's a storm, I'm going to sleep on this boat to give a message to those people who are in this process with me that you can rest even in trouble because God's got me. I'm going to be the example. This year, I'll be the hero. I'll be the example. You can look to me. Do you understand that? Because one of the things that you, we have to understand is that God wants to flow. God wants to flow. God doesn't want to be dammed up. He wants to flow. If you always see yourself as the person needing salvation, needing help, needing refuge, then it's, you're always stopping the flow. But when you see yourself as a resource, he's the source, I'm a resource, then he can flow through me to meet the needs of other people. That's what he desires to do. We're called to be distribution centers. I'm here to distribute his goodness. I'm here to distribute his provision. I'm here to distribute his kindness and his mercy, his gentleness. He's working through me, through me. So salvation doesn't stop at me. Salvation now can come through me. Prosperity, I'm not looking for prosperity to stop at me. I'm looking for it to flow through me. I'm blessed to be a blessing, a dispenser of good. Do you understand that? See, in the previous mindset, then, you know, if you just want to be blessed. But that's the incomplete story. In a previous mindset, you just looking to be full. You just looking to get your fill. But his desire, his purpose wasn't just to come so that you be full. The point was so that you be overflowing, running over. Why do you need extra? Because there's some people in this process with me who going to benefit from my extra. I need more than enough. I don't need just enough for me and my household. I need more than enough so my neighbors can be blessed. My community is going to be blessed. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm not just looking to be full, but I want to be overflowing, running over. Amen. Glory to God. That's why my God is a lavish God. That's how he's the too much God. He's the more than enough God. He's an abundant God. All the time. All the time. He's an excessive, lavish God. Because his blessing doesn't just going to stop and pool up in one place, but it's going to spill over, run over, overflow, burst out the seams, touch everybody. You got to see yourself in that position. Amen. You got to see yourself in that place where I've got more than enough. I've got more than enough. I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm a distribution center. Amen. 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 You got to understand that you have all that it takes. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. Listen, you have a promise from the promise keeper. Therefore, you got everything that you need because this promise was full. This promise 
is full. The promise that he gave and promise that he made for you was full. The scripture says that we have everything that we need, everything pertaining to life and godliness. This promise was full. The promise is loaded down, loaded. I mean, in this one promise, there's gift on gift on gift. In one promise, there's gift on gift on gift. I could keep going and say gift on gift on gift on gift. It's a, it's a full supply in this one promise, gift on gift on gift. The promise is loaded. So I was thinking about some examples. How can I explain this promise? And, and if you got kids and grandkids, you might know about this. Raise your hand if you heard it. You know, LOL, <laughs> big surprise. My grandparents know about that. How many kids y'all know about LOL, big surprise? Look at them hands up. There's this new toy that's trending. Great idea. I don't know if the product's all that quality, but it's a great idea. And it's very popular amongst the kids, right? They have this thing called LOL Big Surprise. And it's a, I mean, you can buy it. It's a big plastic ball. And there'll be many ways, several ways that you can open it. You know, you get a little combination, you can open it. You don't know what's in it. You don't know what's in the ball, but it's full of stuff. You open one compartment. Some of them have compartments, and you open a compartment, and there's a, 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 a little bag in the compartment. You open up, and there'll be a little plastic pair of shoes. You open up another compartment, and there's a dress. And then open up another compartment, and there's a little doll. You open up the big ball, and there's a ball inside the ball. There's a gift inside the gift. You open up the gift, and that gift got gifts on the inside of it. And it's just gift on gift on gift. It's full. It's loaded with good. And the kids loved it. Love it. It's gift on gift on gift. Every package has a package, you know. Amen. It's loaded down, you know. So, or in, in, um, in the tech world, for any of my tech people in here, in the tech world, there's this thing called an Easter egg. Yeah, an Easter egg. And what an Easter egg is, an Easter egg is, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's gifts in gifts. You receive it, then you open it, and there's more in it. Right. And that's the promise that relates to the promise that God has given you. He's given you gifts on gifts on gifts. I mean, think about it. OK, so he gave you Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now was a gift. Yes. But then think about the gifts inside of that gift. I mean, not just that he give you Jesus, but he gave you Jesus and his finished work. So you now you got Jesus and his finished work. You got Jesus, his finished work, his redemption. You got Jesus, his finished work and reconciliation with God. You got Jesus, his finished work and reconciliation. And there's power with that and there's faith with that. And, and there's so much that's in that gift. But then the gift said, I'm going to send you another gift. Amen. So now you got Jesus and all of his finished work, I'm talking about Jesus, and in his finished work includes your prosperity, your peace, your security, your stability, all of that inside one gift. Reconciliation, all in one gift. Then the gift says, I'm going to send you another gift, and he sends you the Holy Spirit. And check this out. Now, inside the Holy Spirit, you've got empowerment. But not only do you have empowerment, but that gift has gifts. <laughs> that gift has gifts. 
You got the gift of prophecy. You got the, the gift of hospitality. You got the gift of the encourager. You got the gift of the teacher. You got the gift of the apostle and the prophet and gift on gift on gift. And you can pray in tongues. And by that gift, you know that you know that you know that you belong to God. I mean, it's just loaded down with gifts. And then on top of all of those gifts and some I didn't even name on top of all that, then that gift has nine other gifts. We call them the fruit of the spirit. It's a loaded down gift. In one promise, you've got gift on gift on gift. You are well equipped to be the hero. Yes. Well equipped to be the hero. Loaded down with gifts. Loaded down with gifts. Gift on gift on gift. I mean, on top of my prophetic gift, I got a healing gift. And on top of that gift, I got a gift to reconcile others back to God. And on top of that gift, I got a gift to pray and speak in tongues. And on top of that gift, I got the gift to discern and gift of insight. And he says he'll show me things to come. He'll even show me the future. I mean, it's gift on gift on gift. I'm never in a position where I am not advantaged. My gifts got gifts. I'm loaded down. Fully supplied, well equipped to be the hero. You are well equipped to be the hero. You have gift on gift on gift. Load it down. You load it down. Glory to God. You've been set up to win. You've been set up to win. Hallelujah. You've been set up. For victory, well equipped to be the hero. Let's look at uh, John 15. We'll start in John 15. I hope you brought your Bibles today. We're going to get in it. Now, now, now I want you to rock with me. And I'm going to make it, you know, I'll make it um, palatable. But we're going to go through, we're going to read the last couple of scriptures in John 15. And we're going to read all of John 16. And we'll pull out some things in there, but it's going to help set a a foundation for us to understand what position we've been placed in. You've been equipped to be a hero. You've been equipped to have, I mean, your life has been impacted so that you can make impact. See, unlike unlike the fictional heroes, you know, the, um, the, the superhero industry right now, superhero movies are a big deal right now. That's super, that, I mean, that industry is over a billion dollars, over a billion dollar industry. But the thing about them is that it always has us looking. It always has us looking. All of those heroes that we celebrate outside of Jesus always has us looking. We're always looking for the deliverer. We're always looking for them to save us. We're always looking for them. If we get in trouble, we need Superman to come, right? Right? Lois Lane always looking for Superman. You understand what I'm saying? Something happened in Metropolis. They got to wait for Superman to come. (laughs) Superman never empowered nobody. Superman ain't never shared his power with nobody. Superman ain't giving away his laser beam eyes. Superman ain't making you as fast as a locomotive, right? You always got to wait for the hero. But our Savior, our hero, Jesus, took everything that he had and gave it to you. My goodness. 
He says everything that the Father has, the Father's made it available to me. And I'm telling you to draw from me. In, in John 15, start, we're going to start at verse 26. I'm going to read from the Easy Reader version. We have it up there? John 15, verse 26, from the Easy Reader version. This is what it says. And I will send you the helper from the Father. The helper is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father. You see that? When he comes, he will tell about me. Another way to say this, another translation of this is when he comes, he will give evidence of me. Ain't that, isn't that what he does in our lives? He gives evidence of Jesus. He gives evidence that I belong to, to the Father. He gives evidence that I am saved. I mean, we even say we're baptizing the Holy Spirit with the evidence. So he gives evidence of our salvation. He gives evidence of our position. You understand that? He gives evidence that I am in power. So he says, Jesus says, he will provide evidence of me. Verse 27 says, and he will tell, and you will tell people about me too. And you will tell people about me too. So he says, this spirit, this comforter that I'm sending you, he's going to tell people about me. He's going to tell you about me, but him with you, then you're going to tell people about me Two, because you've been with me from the beginning. And then we get into John 16. John 16, verse 1. I have told you all of this so that you won't lose your faith when you face troubles. I've told you all of this so you won't lose your faith when you face troubles. Anybody ever face some troubles? Jesus says, I'm t- Jesus said this to his disciples, if we keep it in the context of the time, Jesus is foretelling his disciples that I'm here with you now, but I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to send you a helper. Now, even though it hasn't happened yet, I'm telling you about it now so that when you get in trouble, you won't quit, you won't cave in, you won't throw in the towel knowing that your help is coming. But here we are post all of this and the help has already come. So when I'm in trouble, I don't have to cave in, quit throwing the towel. Why? Because my help is here. He says people will tell you to leave their synagogues and never come back. In fact, the time will come when they will think that killing you will be doing uh, service for God. They will do this because they have not known the father and they have not known me. I have told you all this now to prepare you. I'm telling you this now to prepare you. So when the time comes for these things to happen, you will remember that I warned you. You see that? I did not tell you these things at the beginning because I was with you then. I didn't tell you this in the beginning because I was with you then. What, he was, what is he saying? I didn't tell you in this beginning because if any trouble came up, I was there with you to, to see you through it. Then I'm with you. But I'm telling you about this comforter that's about to come because I'm going to leave you. But I want you to have courage. I want you to still know that you're all right. Even though I'm not physically with you, you're still okay. Because I've sent some help to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the disciples at that time had to use their faith to believe what he was saying would be true. But us disciples of this time, see, like they were looking forward to what was coming. But us, we're looking backward to what's already happened. 
They, they had to use faith to believe that the helper was coming because the helper ain't came yet. But here we are. The helpers already come. So we should be more convinced. We should be more convinced. My help is already here. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So when the time comes for these things to happen, you remember that I warned you. I did not tell you these things at the beginning because I was with you then. Let's go to the next verse. Now I'm going back to the one who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But you are filled with sadness because I have told you all this. Let me assure you, it is better for you that I go away. I say this because when I go away, I will send the helper. Now, in most of the translations and the ones that we're used to, they use that word helper. But understand what he was really saying was, I'm going to send you another just like me. I'm going to send you another just like me. And I'm going to, and, and as we go through this, I'm going to refer to him as the finisher, right? The redeemer of the curse is what that really means. I'm going to send you a redeemer of a curse. We know Jesus was the redeemer of the curse, but we have to understand that the Holy Spirit came just like Jesus. Jesus came to fill us. Holy Spirit came to seal us. He's the finisher. Jesus came and won the victory. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of us to teach us how to walk the victory lap. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Jesus came and won it, but now you got to act like you won something. Yes. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you showing you how to act like you won something. Amen. Ain't nothing like a person who won but don't know how to act like they won. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to finish the job. He is the redeemer of the curse. Jesus did all the upfront work to, to, to win us back, to take care of everything that needed to be take, taken care of. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to teach you to walk like somebody who's been redeemed. Holy Spirit's in you to teach you to walk like you got reconciled back to God. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to teach you to walk like you're a king's kid. Holy Spirit's in you to teach you to walk like you're not a mere man or a mere woman. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to teach you to walk like you somebody from another place. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to teach you to walk like you're a citizen of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you empowering you so that you are not subject to this world because you from somewhere else. The finisher. I'm the finisher. He's sending the finisher. That's good news to me. But you're, verse verse 8, when the helper comes, he will show the people of the world how wrong they are about sin, about being right with God, and about judgment. He will prove that they are guilty of sin because they don't believe in me. He will show them how wrong they are about how to be right with God. The helper will do this because I'm going to the Father. You will not see me then. He will show them how wrong their judgment is because their leader has already been condemned. Talking about the enemy, right? I have so much more to tell you, but it, it, it is too much for you to accept now. But when the spirit of truth comes, has the spirit of truth come? Yeah. The spirit of truth has come. He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak his own words. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what will happen in the future. The spirit, I can't even run past that right there. That's why I can declare my end 
from the beginning because Holy Spirit in any situation, even when it's dark, when it's raining, when it's storming, the boat is full of water. Even in my worst condition, Holy Spirit's on the inside of me to tell me my end from the beginning. And he says, all is well. All is well. Even on my darkest day, I can hear him saying, all is well. Well, no matter what I'm facing, I can hear him saying, all is well, because he's showing me my future. All is well. If I'm in Christ, all is well. It's all good. Do you hear me? The spirit of truth will bring glory to me by telling you what he receives from me. All that the father has is mine. That is why I said that the spirit will tell you what he receives from me. Right. And there's another scripture reference where Jesus says that then you can draw from me. You draw from me. Hallelujah. Verse 16. After a short time, you won't see me. Then after another short time, you will see me again. What he was saying to what he was saying was that he's trying to tell them in in words that they're not really understanding is that you see me here with you now. But understand that I'm going to the cross. I will be crucified after I'm crucified. I am going. We know that Jesus spent those days in hell winning our victory for us. Then he says, so you won't see me then. But after a little while, you will see me again. Why? Because I'm going to be raised from the dead. The grave won't be able to hold me. So you won't see me, but understand that you will see me again. This is what he's, this is what he's saying. Verse 20, the truth is you will cry and be sad, but the world will be happy. You will be sad, but then your sadness will change to happiness. Why is their sadness changing from happiness? Because they were sad when he died on the cross, but they were happy when he rose from the grave. You understand that? When a woman gives birth to a baby, she has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the pain. She forgets because she is so happy that a child has been born into the world. It is the same with you. Now you're sad, but I will see you again and you will be happy. You will have a joy that no one can take away. Glory to God. In that day, you will not have to ask me about anything. And I assure you, my father will give you anything you ask him for in my name. He says that in, in, in that in this day, when he said this, you're not confident to ask anything in my name. But when you see that I'm raised from the dead, you're going to be very much confident to ask for anything. Do you understand that? OK, he says, I'm not saying that I will have I will have to ask the father for you. The father himself loves you because you have loved me and he loves you because you have believed that I am come from God. Verse 28 says, I came from the father into the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the father. Then his followers said, you are already speaking plainly to us. Then they're saying, now I understand what you're saying, right? You are already speaking plainly to us. You're not using words that hide the meaning. We can see now that you know all things. You answer our questions even before we ask them. This makes us believe that you came from God. Jesus says, so now you believe after all of this. So he says, if you believe, then listen to me. A time is coming when you will be scattered, each to his own home. In fact, that time is already here. This is before he got on the cross, right? You will leave me and I will be alone. But I am never really alone because the father is with me. I have told you these things so that you can have peace in me. In this world, you will have troubles, 
but be brave. In this world, you will have troubles, but be brave. That, true, that word was true for them then. That word is true for us today. In this world, you will have troubles, but be brave. Another translation of this says, in this world, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. Cheer up. Now, how can I cheer up in trouble? How can I be cheerful in the trouble? Because I know trouble don't last always. I know my joy comes in the morning so I can cheer up even in trouble because I know this day of trouble is at an expiration date. says, be brave. Cheer up when time gets hard. Cheer up when you're in a ditch. Cheer up. I dare you to show some joy when you're in trouble. You want to be, you want to be a superhero? One of my favorite superhero characters was Mighty Mouse. Anybody remember Mighty Mouse? <laughs> Here I come to save the day. Mighty Mouse, Mighty Mouse always had a smile on his face, even in the challenge. Why? Because he knew he had what it took to overcome. Cheer up in the challenge, knowing that you have what it takes to overcome it. Listen, I'm either going to speak to it and it's going to change. If I'm speaking to it and it's not changing, then I'm going to see it differently. Remember, because the way you see the problem is sometimes the problem. If I'm speaking to it and it ain't changed, then I'm going to look for the good in it. Because I know all things work for the good. Do you understand that? There's some good in this for me. Because I know that my God thinks thoughts towards me. Thoughts to prosper me. To bring me no harm, to bring me no evil. So I know there's some good in this for me. I'm going to look for the good. No matter what the challenge is, I'm going to cheer up. Amen. And I'm just going to have to go ahead and say it. You want to, I mean, you want to really be spiritual? You want to walk in the spirit? You want to walk in faith? You want to operate in even, in even the, the prophetic, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you? You want to operate like a prophet? Get your praise on in trouble. That's about as prophetic as you can be. You prophesying your victory, even when it doesn't look like it, because I don't walk by sight anyway, right? I'm walking by faith. So even in this trouble, I'm going to get my praise on and prophesy my victory. I'm declaring my end right here in this mess. I'm going to let them know that the mess don't bother me. The challenge is nothing because I already seen my victory. Yeah. So I'm going to prove it by my praise. Amen. Glory to God. You want to be a hero? You want to encourage the people around you? Praise God in a challenge. Yeah. Praise God when the numbers are down. Praise God when the attendance is low. Praise God when things ain't working the way that y'all plan for it to work. Get your praise on in that moment and people will wonder They'll wonder a whole bunch of stuff. They'll wonder all about what. And then you'll be able to tell them. You become the refuge. You become the stability. You become the stability. So if you're anxious like everybody else, what, what value do you have? 
But when everybody else is anxious and you're in peace, then you become the source of peace. When everybody else is troubled and you're still and you have resolve and you still got faith and you still got hope, then you become the source. You become the distribution center. You've just increased your value. You've just increased your value. People around you don't know what to do. And you're confident and insightful and speaking hope. You've just increased your value. Now I need you. I need you. Because when it's dark, you provide light. I need you. When it's hopeless, you provide hope. You are the hero. You just saved the day. Glory to God. That's where we want to be. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this. What verse did we leave on? 31? 33. I have told you these things so that you can have peace in me. In this world, you have troubles, but be brave. Cheer up. When times get hard, cheer up. Because I have defeated the world, is what he tells them. I've already overcome this world. I've defeated this world. I've deprived it of its strength and power over you. So be of good cheer. Amen. Glory to God. Look at John 14. Let's look at John 14. John 14, starting at verse 16. From, I'm going to read it from the, um, the, um, the Passion Translation. John 14, starting at verse number 16. You feel empowered? You've got what it takes, amen. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. People been trying to tell you that you're helpless, but you're going to come back. You got a response for them now. You have what it takes. I am full. I'm not empty. I'm not deprived. I'm not hopeless. He filled me and he's running over, all over on me. God is running all over, all the way, all around my life. I am empowered. I have what it takes. John 14, starting at verse number 16, it says this. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The Passion Translation actually says he will give you a, a savior. Because remember, it was, it's, it's one just like me. I'm going to send you one just like me. I'm going to send you one just like me, a Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. Jesus says the Father will send you another, meaning another, another of the same kind, right? Another helper. In the Greek, that word helper is paraclete, parakletos, right? In the Aramaic, the word is parakleta which means a redeemer who ends the curse. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a redeemer who ends the curse, who ends the curse. That's why I call him the finisher. Jesus filled us, Holy Spirit seals us. He's the finisher. He's completing the process on the inside of you. 
He's making sure that your thinking is aligned with the finished work of Jesus. He's making sure that your character is aligned with the finished work of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Glory to God. He's finishing the work in you. Holy Spirit is at work in you right now, finishing the work that Jesus started. Oh, goodness. So that you don't miss it. You don't miss it. He's saying that part of this grace package is Holy Spirit on the inside of you, um, continuing in you, continuing to build you up in Christian virtue, which means he's continuing to build you up in Christ's character, in Christ's character. Why? Why are we? Why? Why is it so vital? Why is this a key principle, a foundational principle in Christianity is that the Savior didn't just come to save me, but he came to empower me. Yeah. It's such a vital principle that you can't miss. Because So you don't have to always be in a position where you're waiting on somebody to come and rescue you. Right. You've on. been empowered to change your whole situation. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You've been empowered. Glory to God. You've been enabled. Even the scriptures in in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor. Why? Not so that he can always be filling us up, but that you yourself, you will be enriched. That's how much God has. He's got enough to share. I don't have to just stingily dispense things based upon my limited resources, but I got so much that I give you, you can be just as rich as me, enriched. You, all of us be enriched. I like the word enriched. I mean, all of us just enriched, just, yeah, saturated and all your, every fiber of your being penetrated by the power and presence of God. Glory to God. Full of, the scripture says you be full of the Godhead bodily. Full of the full presence of God inside bodies, inside people, inside clay, dirt vessels, carriers of God. That's good news right there. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Right? The Holy Spirit is our finisher. He finishes the job. Jesus fills you. The Holy Spirit seals you. What was on the... Now, he was talking to people who had this on the outside. What was on the outside of them is now on the inside of you. You are well equipped. You're well equipped to be the hero. His presence in you. His presence in you. Throughout the Bible, we see the Spirit of God. We see the presence of God aiding his people to victory, aiding his people to victory. Whenever you see the people of God gaining victory, it's because the presence of God, the Spirit of God was there in the beginning when we see Abraham. Abraham was a, I mean, he wasn't even, Abraham's father, history shows, this history says that Abraham's dad had a, um, if we can compare it to something that we have today, Abraham's dad had a novelty shop. Abraham's dad would probably love to establish his business in a place like St. Petersburg because you got all the tourists coming and they want to buy their trinkets and novelties, right? So Abraham is growing up in that family. That's, where, that's, the, that's his family business. 
He gets this word from God to leave his hometown and travel away. So he does that. Who, who, is, who is Abraham? He's got his, his wife with him, his household servants, some, some cattle and some sheep and stuff like that, and they're going to this place in obedience to God. Along the way, his nephew Lot gets into some trouble. Abraham's a good man. He's a good uncle, right? So he says, I can't leave my nephew to these people. So he says, I'm just, I got to go get him. So he rounds up his crew, 300, I think the number is 386 people, to go and rescue his nephew from an army. Not a small army, but you got to understand that this army was traveling from land to land, conquering land after land after land. He takes his 386 people to go against this massive army, and he has victory. Say win. Why does he win? Because the Spirit of God is with him. The presence of God is with him. We see Israel captives in Egypt, slaves in Egypt. They're crying out to God. God sends Moses to deliver them, right? Moses gets them out. They start journeying. They get to that Red Sea. The Bible says that the presence of God like a cloud covered them in the day. The presence of God like a pillar of fire led them by night. The presence of God led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. They got victory. We know what happened when the army went into the Red Sea behind them, right? The walls of the water closed down, crashed down on them. The enemy was defeated. What got them that victory? The presence of God was with them. The spirit of God was with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Later on in the history of that nation, Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Jehoshaphat gets word that a great army is coming against Judah. Jehoshaphat was scared, admittedly so. He's like, who are we against this army? There were armies teaming up against Judah, right? What are we going to do? But Jehoshaphat was pretty smart because he didn't just cry about it. He didn't just get scared, but he said, I'm going to go and pray. If there ain't nothing else I know how to do, I know how to pray. Let me go talk to God about this. And then Jehoshaphat is even smarter than that because he said, you know what? I ain't praying by myself. I'm about to get me some people. This is the year that you got to get some people with you. You got to get some people with you. There's going to be some stuff that you're going to go through this year. Don't try to pray about it by yourself, but you're going to get some people with you. We about to pray together on this one. Jehoshaphat gets the rest of the nation to pray with him. And in the crowd, a man with no title, Jehaziel. It says the Spirit of God comes upon Jehaziel. This man ain't got no position, no title, but the Spirit of God is on him. What else do you need? Spirit of God comes on Jehaziel and gives him the whole plan. Jehoshaphat leads the people on the battlefield. The enemy is so confused, they kill themselves. And Judah spends the next three days just gathering up all the spoils. They have victory. Say win! Because the Spirit of God was with them. Spirit of God was with them. Then we see Jesus 
Jesus, here he is getting ready to start his ministry, right? Jesus goes to the Jordan. He's baptized by John in the Jordan River. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God came and descended upon him and remained. After that, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's tempted there. He's there for 40 days, 40 nights, tempted by the enemy, but he comes out victorious. Why? Because the Spirit of God is on the inside of him. The Spirit of God is with him. He leads a life of victory and deliverance, delivering people, saving people, healing people, gets to this cross, dies on the cross. Dies on the cross. They take his limp body from the cross, put him in a borrowed grave, but three days later he gets back up, say, when? He wins because the Spirit of God is with them. Oh, and I got to let you know that that same Spirit that led Abraham, that same Spirit that led Israel, that same Spirit that taught the Jehaziel and Jehoshaphat, that same Spirit that led Jesus through that wilderness, this same Spirit is on the inside of you. The same spirit that the Bible says, the same spirit, the resurrecting spirit, the spirit that got him out of the grave, that same spirit is on the inside of me and you. We're well equipped to be the hero. Well equipped to be the hero. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well equipped to be the hero. And look what happens to his disciples. Look what happens to his disciples. So Jesus, he's, he's, he's there on the cross. His disciples are walking with him. They have this thing in their mind. They're thinking that, man, Jesus is here. He's, he's, he's the Messiah. He's proven he's done some things. We believe more and more that he's the Messiah. We have this expectation. You've got to understand that the, you gotta understand that the underlying expectation for those three years, the thing that they have really in their mind, Peter and Matthew and, and Mark and all them boys that were walking with them, the underlying thing they had in their mind is that any day now, our leader is about to lead us into battle. Any day now, Jesus is about to go grab a sword and we about to kick some Roman butt. That's what they're thinking. But all Jesus is doing is talking and teaching and healing and helping. But they're wondering, one of these days, we're going to get to kick some butt. So you got to understand that the day that Jesus got on that cross and died was a devastating day for them. It's like all that we thought he was, he wasn't because he died. We have no victory. Things worse than they were before. This ain't how I pictured it. One day passed. They were hiding. Just like Jesus prophesied to him, you're going to scatter, you're going to leave me, and each of you are going to go to your own home. Oh, that's, that happened. They're hiding. They're denying I ever knew him. I ain't got nothing to do with him. Because they're scared. They're scared. Because if he died, if they killed him, then they could kill me too. I'm hiding. Two days passed. they hiding. Something happened on the third day. Something happened on the third day. Them later disciples went to that tomb and saw that the stone was moved. They went inside and saw that his burial clothes had been folded up. And there wasn't nobody in it. They went and told the other disciples. 
And you know how it is. At first, they're like, man, what are you talking about? But then them boys was up in the room, and Jesus came there through the door, and they saw them with their own eyes. They saw their Savior. They saw the Messiah resurrected. And you know what they said in their mind? Oh, it's back on now. It's on now. You know what they said in their mind? But listen, this is what they said in their mind. Now, I thought before, I thought that that was the time to kick some butt. Now is definitely the time to kick some butt. Because you killed him and he rose. So that's proof enough that he is all that he said that he is. And if he defeated death, then I ain't scared to die because I'll defeat death too. We about to kick some butt now. But wait. Wait, because you know what happened for the next 40 days? For the next 40 days, they ain't pick up a sword. They ain't pick up a shield. All that happened was Jesus talked. Now, now what he was saying was good. I know they were excited because he was teaching them the kingdom. And they were really excited hearing this information. But in the back of their mind, they just waiting. One of these days, he's going to stop talking, and we're going to get them swords, and we about to go and kick some butt. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking that he, he's here. I mean, this is our superhero. Our superhero done conquered the grave. You thought you killed him, but he ain't died. Our superhero is here, and he's about to kick some butt. That's what's about to happen. So they're waiting. And they're waiting, and all he's doing is talking, and he's talking. And then one day he tells them, I'm about to go again. And they like, wait, what are you talking about? But he says, I'm going to send you a comforter. We call that day the day of ascension, the day Jesus went to heaven. It's the day of ascension. They witness him go to heaven. So now here they are again, waiting. The only thing they said, the only instruction they have is that he told us to wait. He told us not to leave Jerusalem. He told us to wait. Yeah, all that teaching and all that information was good, but he told us to wait. So, you know, they're good men, you know, so they get together and they start praying. Just like Jehoshaphat. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to pray. So they start praying and they're praying. And they're praying, and they're praying, and day one goes by, and they're praying, and day two goes by, and they're praying, and then day three comes, and the Bible says that it was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And I could imagine, see, it was about 150 men in one room, so the room probably wasn't too much bigger from this room that we're in right now. And I can imagine them hearing the sound of that rushing wind. And I can imagine the walls shaking and the walls trembling. And they're in the middle of prayer and something is happening. And the Bible says they open their eyes and they see fire. And the fire, clothes like fire, flames of fire falls on each of them. And they're empowered to do things that they couldn't do before. Because Jesus wasn't interested in just coming to save the day. But Jesus was interested in coming and filling some other people so that they could save days 
after days and after days and years after years and 10 years pass and 100 years pass and 1,000 years pass and 2,000 years pass and people are still on this earth who've been touched by the same spirit and they're all empowered to bring refuge, to bring peace to a lost world. Our hero wasn't just interested in being a hero by himself. Our hero wanted a whole family full of heroes. He wanted a whole team full of heroes. Our, our hero wasn't interested in, in keeping all that power to himself. He was like, we got enough power to go around, and I'm here to empower some other people to distribute this goodness. Yeah. You got what it takes to be the hero. Glory to God. You're empowered with God on the inside. And just like Abraham won, and just like Israel won, and just like Jesus won, we're here to win, win, repeat. Win, win, repeat. That was the whole thing. Win, win, repeat. Win, win, repeat. He filled those boys so that they can repeat, repeat everything you saw me do. Repeat everything you heard me say. Win, win, repeat. Win, win, repeat. It's not just for me to do. It ain't just for me to have victory, but we win, we win, and we repeat the whole process over again. Win, win, repeat. That's the, the, the rhythm of our life. We win, win, repeat. Win, win, repeat. It's like on that last day that Jesus was with him, Jesus was like, tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. You're it. I ain't just going to be it by myself. Tag, you're it. Now you go win, win, repeat. That's what we're doing here. I ain't waiting on somebody to just save me. I ain't trying to be in a position where I'm always looking for help. I'm, I'm empowered to help somebody. Yeah. I'm going to repeat this process. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Give God some praise. Thank you, Lord. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.